Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Sadness and tigers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Paige, do you want to get this out of the way real quick up top? Ooh, yes. Content warning for sex with underage people, a.k.a. statutory rape. There's a lot of it in this episode, and if that's going to bug you... Don't listen to it. It's okay. We still love you. Yeah. You're still a good person. Nothing. No one podcast is more important than your mental health. So if you need to sit this one out, that's okay. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's still a good episode. We make some pretty good jokes, but it is raw. Yeah. Um, so we just wanted to get that out of the way uh, before we start. A um, couple announcements. Uh, not really announcements. Just reminders. We have a Patreon. Uh <laughs> Yeah, you can go to patreon.com slash cult podcast. Check out all the tiers and rewards we have there. Uh, you can also listen to the show on Rooster Teeth. Cock a doodle doo. Oh no, the enemy of the bird, the tiger. Yeah. Uh, yeah, go to roosterteeth.com or download the app on your Amazon Fire Stick, Roku Television, your Xbox, your mobile device, all that good stuff, and check out all the wonderful content they have there, including ours. Um, also, if you are a fan of Funhouse, I should have mentioned this before, Funhouse is doing a live uh, podcast, um, a live podcast extravaganza on March 12th. Uh, so we're doing that in Los Angeles, the Globe Theater. Um, tickets and information are available on roosterteeth.com. Uh, go check it out. It's going to be a lot of fun. And um, yeah, I should have promoted that sooner, but I didn't. <laughs> and... I don't know. Go fuck yourself. I'm like, this is it. <laughs> fuck you. Uh, I will not be there. I will be doing undisclosed other things on March 12th. Through exactly. 14th. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's going to be a really fun. I, again, you'll, we'll get to it later in the episode. Can't wait to announce all that stuff. But if you like me, I'll be there and it's going to be a big show and it's going to be very fun. So come on out to that. Uh, otherwise, uh, yeah, I love you still. And uh, let's get into this show. Hello. Hello. They're great. <laughs> oh, fuck me. God damn it. This is Tony the Tiger. <laughs> They're underage. Yeah. It's rape is what it should be. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have laughed at that. Don't drink the For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm, organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership, organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers, organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships, and organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always, these are our opinions. Thank you for tuning in to Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us, we have Tiger. <laughs> oh, boy. You knew it was only a matter of time from the moment that we first watched the Doc Antle. Uh, well, actually, from the moment we first saw Duck Antle and Tiger King in general. Right. You knew that an episode you of knew. Cold Podcast would come out of it. You knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. 
You can't, we can't hear somebody be like, I'm kind of a cult leader without being like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I mean, I do the same thing even when people say something that's like, um, even slightly related. Like, I need a cucumber. And I'm like, did you say you, you were a cult leader? And they're like, no, dude, I just, I'm making pickles. Please get out of here. <laughs> For me, it's always stuff like, yeah, I have a collecting of, of, of people. And we all live together and we're worried about the doomsday that's coming, but like, don't worry about it. Then I'm like, wait, <laughs> what did you say? Yeah. Hold I on have a second. A, I, I have a, a coworker that you were probably familiar with, Ryan Haley. Yes. Uh, who at one point lived on a co op for several years. The fuck ranch, right? The, the fuck farm. The yeah. fuck farm. That's what You want to know a, a fun little fun fact that I didn't know until semi recently? Wait, we found out more about the fuck farm? Sort of. Did you know that Chris Damaris was also yeah. a proud member of the fuck farm? Yeah, I think you told me the. I think the last time this came up on the show, we revealed that both of them were on the fuck farm. Did you know that Chris Damaris submitted a fake fun fact to IMDb for the film Children of the Corn, and then we <laughs> accidentally used it on Horror Virgin? Oh my god! No, I didn't. Was the fun yeah. fact that the children aren't actually made of corn? No, it, it, the fun fact was that. Uh, most of the corn was real except for some polystyrene corn that they had to use for action sequences which to be honest is a fake fun fact but also probably happened so i don't know yeah that's the most believable fake fun fact i've ever heard uh yeah it does sound believable it sounds like something that would actually happen which i think is why we didn't think it wasn't real (laughs) when we pulled it up but it in fact it was chris's I think it's one of those things where it's like, I could tell you that all the Armandos used in Cole Podcast are real, except for the plastic ones we used for the action sequences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that one action sequence in that Spider-Man movie. (laughs) (laughs) Go fuck yourself. We never addressed that on the show. Do you want to talk about the fact that you're not in Spider-Man? I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) You're not. And it doesn't really look like you. I mean, I might be. (laughs) You're not. It's not you. You don't know that, Paige. I did take a couple weeks off during the filming of Spider-Man uh, No Way Home, I think it's called. <laughs> it was No Way Home, and it, yeah. is, it is not you. <laughs> well, the only reason I agreed to do it is because I thought that they had said that it was called Spider-Man No Way, homie! <laughs> oh, it's too bad that Zendaya ended up taking your part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Oh God. Mostly because I just wanted to kiss Tom Holland. Hold up. Yeah, I Googling, feel like you Googling can hold how him and make him feel safe and warm. He's of age. It's Tom fine. Holland age. We're the same age? Yeah, oh, dude. no. You could snuggle him close at night if, you, if he was into it. That makes me feel so bad about myself. No, you just have to shave. Yeah. Ugh. But I saw I a don't... picture of you from like when we met the other day and I was like, damn, he looks like a baby. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, what, five years ago or something? Five, six? Yeah. Whoa, about five shit. years ago. Yeah. God mm-hmm. damn. Jesus. <laughs> 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 I think the problem is, is that you say all I got to do is shave. But when I shave, there's not a Tom Holland under here. There's just. <laughs> no, there's an Armando Torres under there. <laughs> No, underneath his beard, there's Manny from Modern Family is what's yeah, that's under true. here. That is yeah. true. That is true. <laughs> so it's still not, I don't know. Best case scenario, I get to play Peter's wisecracking best friend. That's what I <laughs> there get. There you go. The one that like 
kind of knows computers, but not enough to like out Tony Stark, Tony Stark. Yeah, the live action version of the kid from Kim Possible. That's what there I'm trying to go. say. There you go. Kim exactly. Possible. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, I do have to do probably a brief content warning mm-hmm. for this episode. This is the one in the series that is probably going to have the most underage sexual abuse. Uh, the next one will have some too. And then the last one will have some animal abuse. Oh. But this one probably has the most underage having sex, people having sex with underage people. Uh, it's not good. So if that's going to bother you, heads up, it's happening in this yeah. episode. And to be clear, it should bother you. I mean, it's going to yeah, bother it should all of bother us. You. It should bother everyone. But like specifically, if that's going to really upset you, and maybe it's better that you don't listen to the episode because of that. That's fine. No episode is more important than your mental health, as we said multiple times. Yeah, we'll do a TLDR for you up top. This dipshit with a dumbass ponytail started a <laughs> sex cult, and I'm pretty sure he fucked a tiger. Anyway, thanks for joining us. This has been Colt Podcast. <laughs> These are Bye. Our opinions. <laughs> <laughs> That's my fun fact that I added to IMTV. <laughs> probably fucked a tiger Uh, i have no proof that he fucked a tiger Mm -hmm. unless he made one of those girls change her name to tiger and i wouldn't put it past him (laughs) Paige, let me ask you this do you have proof that he didn't fuck a tiger i don't well the onus is on uh on doc antle now (laughs) prove to me you didn't fuck a tiger antle more like cock antle (laughs) right hell yeah hell yeah brother super gross um, and to be honest, of the of the people that might fuck a tiger, I think that's more of Joe Exotic's camp, maybe. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was the one who had tigers in his bed and stuff. So, <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, I know he doesn't seem like he'd be into pussy, but, like, you'd be surprised. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so he's sorry. Into, he's into big pussy. Shouts out the Sopranos. What up? Uh... <laughs> I, this is just me making jokes because I know we're about to get into some dark shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, let's dive into it. Let's get into sources. Let's jump on in. So uh, obviously our first source, one of many, though, because we will criticize some of their coverage, is the Netflix documentary Tiger King and the Doc Angel story. I'll mention where things differ. Um, they do, a, I would say, a very good job of covering pieces of doc Antle's life where there's multiple witnesses mm-hmm. and so you can hear from multiple people that's really great um but they definitely do try to sensationalize some parts not necessarily the sexual abuse parts that's the part where they're pretty straightforward about it and they're actually they're actually like a really good source on that part um but some of the other parts with uh the animal treatment the structure of the zoo and some of the other people that work at the zoo that we'll get into a little bit in this episode, but actually more in the later episodes, some of those I've kind of cross-referenced with some other sources, and we'll talk about those as well. Uh, So we also have an article from Bustle.com, Where is Doc Antle Now? Uh, An article from People, it's actually an interview with Doc Antle uh, about the trailer for his new docu-series. We have an article from PETA. Now, PETA is a controversial source here. Because they are the ones that are largely embroiled in some of the legal battles with Doc Antle around the animals, but they are also a biased source sometimes. Um, 
I love animals, want to protect them. PETA also euthanizes more animals than almost any other organization. So like, keep that in mind when we talk about them. That said, they are pushing for greater oversight on private zoos, and I am fully in favor of that. And and explain to me, why is it bad to make animals young again? They're euthanizing them? No, that's them? not what euthanizing means. I'm pretty sure. You can't no. just make up a word with a youth in it and say mm, it's not that. No, it's them killing a lot of dogs and cats. It's it's real sad. <sighs> and other animals, too. I think they're um, just over-euthanizing them. That's what happens. You make somebody too <laughs> you're young. You're so young, you're dead. Yeah, Benjamin you Button you to death. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Oh no! Um, Did you know when Benjamin Button died, he turned into a pile of cum? Oh, gross! That's the ultimate beginning. That's so gross. Um, there was yeah, an egg so, there too, so it's fine. Yeah, so I don't, I don't fully agree with PETA and all of their stances, mm-hmm. but I do think they've done some really great coverage on this case, so that's why we're including them. Uh, then we have local news uh, from Myrtle Beach where uh, Doc Antle denies allegations of past sexual relationships with underage girls. But we will also be covering those in this episode because a lot of other people verify those. Okay. Uh, we also have the Radio Times, um, a an article called Who is Doc Antle? And Winchester Star, this is another local newspaper, uh, judge rules for prosecution in wild animal cruelty case. That'll actually come up a lot more in episode three. Uh, we have the website for Myrtle Beach Safari, a.k.a. Tigers, which is Doc Antle's zoo and sanctuary. And then we finally have a RollingStone.com article on uh, Tiger King, the documentary Tiger King and Doc Antle. This is actually from a couple of years ago, from 2015. So uh, are you ready to dive into this? Absolutely. All right. Then we have to talk about Kevin. Because that's Doc Antle's real name. He's oh, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> he goes by Bhagavan Doc Antle, but his name is Kevin. Uh, so Kevin was born March 16th, 1960 in Salinas, California. And his family is actually fairly wealthy. They were a produce distribution family. At one point, they grew nearly all of the lettuce that was eaten in the United States. There is a... I would say 95% chance that my grandparents worked for this company. I would say there's a very good chance that your grandparents worked for his company. I would also say that there's a very good chance that we have all eaten a salad that has somehow funded Doc Antle's lifestyle. (laughs) Sit with that weirdness, people. Let it wash over you. This is why I don't eat healthy. All right. You tell me, oh, eating healthy is the the best way to live. No, it doesn't. It funds (laughs) tiger terrorists. It funds tiger madness. Um, So he grew up with his family on the industrial farm, one of their industrial farms. And his father was actually a boxer who taught him martial arts. And that's not fake. That's that's actually very real. Uh, He does have some experience in martial arts because of his father's experience and there's a lot of things that we will find out about him that are like half truths or there's like we know one part of it's true but there's like different stories of how it happened and i'll cover those as we go um he tends to kind of uh provide his own hagiography which is what we call when somebody is telling their own life story in a way that makes sense for them. Um, And then we have alternate sources that have alternate information. So he says 
He gained an interest in Eastern philosophy from his mother, who was very, very into the Eastern philosophy movement of the 60s. It's very possible that she knew about Swami Satchidananda early on in his childhood, but we don't know for sure, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of the only people that really talks about his mother in this way. Uh, a lot of other people talk about her being kind of a free thinker, but not necessarily specific to Eastern philosophy. He does say that she also cared for animals and specifically would nurse the sick horses on their farm. Uh, And so growing up on a farm, it's very possible that that's where he got a lot of his experience with animals as well. He also says that his mom gave him the name Bhagavan, meaning friend of God. Mm. However, there is a differing story of how they get those names And his wife gives us a completely different story that actually makes a lot more sense. Um, And so we'll kind of cover that in just a a minute or two. But his version is that his mom gave him that name. I don't think that's accurate. I think his wife's version is accurate. Um, What? You're telling me that when you were a kid, your, your mom was never like, oh, my sweet baby Bhagavan. Yeah, my sweet baby Bhagavan. No, um, I, I think... I think the later story is correct. So Mm. uh, he's also said to have dropped out of high school around ninth grade, maybe a little bit later than that. But then he also claims to have received a PhD in zoology at 21 and an MD from studying medicine in China. Uh, I'm going to say that PhD in zoology, there's not a lot of proof around that at all. It also seems kind of impossible because he did not really finish high school and the account of him not finishing high school is backed up by a bunch of other people. And all of those people are like, yeah, I'm, I don't ever remember him going to school for zoology. <laughs> so, yeah, I question that. Uh, I also question his degree from China. We don't have a lot of information about what he did, although I have some stories later on that may explain it a little bit. Um, so... Yeah, you probably just don't know my degree. She goes to a different school in China, so. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, So he grows up, or at least becomes a teenager, in Tucson, Arizona. Where, yep, (laughs) where he meets the woman who would eventually become his wife, Betsy. And the way that they met is because she was actually dating his next-door neighbor. However... Kevin's mom was, air quotes, the cool mom, and would let teenagers, like, fuck at her house. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, and, and a lot of this is according to Betsy, so his, his wife, his first wife. Um, and so Betsy would go over to Kevin's house to see her boyfriend and hang out with her boyfriend, and that went on for a while until Betsy's boyfriend broke up with her to be with Kevin's mother, Mary Lynn Antle. Now, Betsy says that pretty much no one else knew about this, and that's why she's the only one with this story. So we do have to take this with a grain of salt. Um, but she says that Kevin's mom started it's sleeping got it with her boyfriend. On. Has got it going on. She's all <laughs> I want, and she's in the story now. Uh, so she allegedly, big fat allegedly, Starts sleeping with Betsy's boyfriend and tells Betsy, like, hey, why don't you just date Kevin? Like, he's <laughs> he's already here. <laughs> You're already here. Bro, she's house. not a cool mom. She's a bully mom. <laughs> 
she's a mom who knows what she wants and it is underage teens yeah (laughs) sorry i'm fucking your boyfriend why didn't you go fuck my loser son kevin you nerd well, and here's what I will say. There, there's a lot of pictures of him at this time. This is the uh, like mid 70s to late 70s, and he looks like a member of Steppenwolf. Like he looks like a rock star at this point. And you see him, and you're kind of like, man, I kind of fucking get it. But also, no. <laughs> like the second you hear him start to talk, you're like, never mind. <laughs> anyway, so Betsy's dad uh did not like kevin but betsy like (laughs) super liked kevin uh and specifically her dad didn't like kevin because he had dropped out of high school Mm -hmm. and so betsy's siblings also kind of didn't super like him they thought he was kind of a bad influence and to this day they credit him with a lot of the struggles with addiction and a few other things that betsy has had since the divorce it's very very sad unfortunately um But they do get married uh, literally like right out of high school, like teenage ass teenagers, like as soon as it's legal. Uh, The marriage certificate, by the way, does say Kevin, does not say Bhagavan. So I would guess that his mom did not legally name him Bhagavan as his story would indicate. So it's around this time that they have to start making money because they are a young married couple. And Kevin meets a man named Mark topping and they kind of run in the same circles in tucson i mean that's just his name it's no, not because it's, he's topping people like he no just, no that's no just i mean his it's, last name. it's fine it's fine i just made a face because my brain went oh there's like a connection with like salad and like toppings, for the <laughs> toppings. he's yeah. the sprinkles somebody else the yogurt yeah uh, you fucking you said it and my brain was just like there's a way to get to a dressing joke you just gotta fucking make gotta it work find it. yeah i'm seeing the numbers flash in front of my face <laughs> Just writing it on a window like Beautiful Mind. Um, yeah. I'm just, I have, you, if you can't see it, but on the side of me is just a whiteboard that says the word Cobb over and over <laughs> and over. So uh, Mark and Kevin start selling weed together. Dude, hell yeah. From selling lettuce to the devil's lettuce. I yeah, love to the this. Dev- I mean, lettuce is in his family's history. So <laughs> devil's lettuce. He's just picking up the family business in his own vertical. So they start meeting planes at abandoned airfields in Tucson, planes that come right over the border from Mexico. And they're actually, by all accounts, doing pretty well. Betsy and a few other people who kind of knew them around this time can attest that like they had a steady flow of money. They were actually living pretty large, but someone broke into their home while they were not home one day. And that was enough to trigger some serious paranoia in Kevin, where he was like, it is not safe to sell weed here anymore. Oh, my God. And so he packs Betsy and whatever they can carry into their car, and they drive straight to Virginia. Now, it's unclear why they specifically went to Virginia. I don't know. Like, no one really gives a good reason for it. Um, I have a theory, though. So... They end up in Yogaville very soon after moving, like not long at all. And it's right around the time the Yogaville ashram is established. And if you remember from last episode, 
We talked a little bit about how Yogaville has always had a policy of allowing people to live there at subsidized rates if you're willing to work on the ashram. Mm -hmm. And I think that might be what happened. So I'm thinking that maybe they knew there was a way for them to live there for an affordable amount. In And this is around like like 1980. So like right around the time they opened the Virginia compound. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go I think ahead. That might be and, what happened. I'm gonna go ahead and agree. We give you a big old thumbs up because I'm willing to bet if you're selling weed to hippies in Tucson, you're gonna hear about some weird shit like I'm this. I'm sure. I am absolutely sure. Yes. I, I also do have a, a quick question. I needed mm-hmm. needed some clarification. You said that they were uh, they would meet pilots over by the airfield in Tucson. Is yeah. that is that because they had like such a big operation they were like trafficking that much weed or are they selling weed to pilots? No, 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 they're trafficking that weed. Oh, so, okay. And it's not like normal pilots. This is like midnight plane lands, yeah. hands you anonymous bags, and you you know you go yeah. sell it. Uh, the very same thing that happened in. This is a long time ago. This is four years ago now. Uh, episode three, Narco Satanicos. They were running a very, very similar operation out of Brownsville, Texas. Yeah. So, like, this is the same kind of thing, just out of Tucson, Arizona. And very common. Like, even now, it's pretty common uh, as far as, like, illegal weed trade goes. I love hearing all those stories of just, like, the old, you know, like, the old Narcos and Narcos Mexico where they talk about, like, how they figured out how to, like, start shipping it over planes, and that's, like, it became a huge thing. Mm -hmm. Although, the reason I asked was because in my head I was, like, (laughs) were they just walking up to pilots and be like, hey, man, do you like to get high? And the pilot's like, yeah, it's my literal job. literally 10,000 feet. I like to get (laughs) cruising altitude high. Yeah. I'm just thinking about how different the movie Flight would have been if he would have just been a raging stoner. (laughs) Yeah, I did it because I was high. Shit, I'm high right now. It just makes me think of like Gus from uh, Black Box Down who (laughs) is learning to fly. And I'm like, does he just need weed? Like, we have it. You don't don't need to go to all this trouble, dude. This this is the other shit that that makes me so insanely upset is like, if weed was just legal, like it should be and will be, and eventually all of this bullshit will sound like, I mean, it already does sound like frivolous, dumb stupidity, where it's like, okay, they have to go to an airfield in the dead of night to traffic marijuana to then bring it out and like brick it out, bag it up, whatever, and like sell it. And like they're paranoid they're getting broken into. If this man would have been born. I don't know, 30, 40 years later or something, he could have just worked at MedMen. You know, yeah. like it's, this is so dumb. This is so stupid that it's, I don't know. This is not really the point of the episode. My point is though, is like so much crime would have not been considered a crime. So much shit would have not been bad if you had just made weed legal. Like it should be. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would also extend that to, people who are in prison now for nonviolent offenses like yeah. possession of marijuana that had mandatory minimums that means that they're still serving jail sentences even though the thing they were put in jail for is now completely legal that's fucked up we need yeah. to change it america it's fucking dumb it's and, america yeah. stupid ass country anyway that's not the point of this episode but uh so uh they end up at yogaville and they end up there to take at least initially, to take a one-month course on becoming yoga teachers, like certified yoga instructors. And at the end of that month, 
according to his wife, Betsy, uh, ex-wife Betsy, they're given new names. And Betsy's name becomes Brahmi, and his name becomes Sri Mahatamyavi Bhagavan Antal. I am very sorry if I mispronounced that. I tried my best to sound it out. Thankfully, I'm not going to have to say it again in this episode. Okay. Yeah, pretty crazy that they didn't give him a new last name, though. (laughs) Yeah. No, they're like, keep that part. So they stay at Yogaville for a while, um, at least a few months. And around this time, most likely using money from their previous deals in Tucson, he purchases a, a... small property in Buckingham, Virginia, very near to Yogaville, where he opens what he calls the Buckingham Zoo. This is where he gets his baby elephant bubbles that he then brings to Yogaville for events, and he acquires his first two tigers. Now, it's a little questionable as to how he gets these tigers. Um, the only report we have is that, quote, he got them from a friend at a zoo, that's not a great answer, but it it's does not. Make, it's a it terrible does, answer. <laughs> it's, it's an awful answer. It does make me feel better, though, that it's like, I think when we covered this, the original time we covered Tiger King and that like whatever bonus episode that we did. Right. I got angry because I said the only people who should own tigers are drug dealers. And now I feel better about it. Because <laughs> you're like, clearly, all yeah. these people were also drug dealers. Yeah, sure. He wasn't doing them concurrently at the same time, but it's still, it well, lapses over. we'll get to that. Uh, Whoa, Doc, my boy. I don't want to co-sign this guy. He's not my boy. No, he's not your boy. And also, we probably won't get to it to like the next episode, maybe. Yeah, Ooh, probably the next episode. Foreshadowing. Uh, so there's not a ton of information, but he starts kind of gathering tigers at this point. But he's still only got like a handful. It's not a huge property. And there's a main house on the property that everyone who frequented that property kind of describes as like, a hobbit house <laughs> and it looks kind of fairy tale-ish i will say okay um but he along with tiger starts to collect people to work on this zoo with him because he's got a great plan for what his next business venture is gonna be he's gonna be a magician now <sighs> Abraka tiger uh he he <laughs> Starts to work on his own magic show. Uh-huh. And it is marginally successful. This is Doc Antle's celestial magic, is what he calls it. Oh my God. Um uh, let's get into it. He you know how people who are into theosophy try to make something cool, but they get too bogged down in the homework? Yeah, I'm familiar. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what happens here because they start videotaping what they think their magic act is going to be. And these videotapes all still exist. They're all in the documentary. Uh, It's very funny to see it on videotape. And then later hear Doc Ant will be like, I never did that. And you're like, I literally watched you do it. (laughs) It's it's pretty great. Uh, (laughs) uh, But a lot of them are filmed with Doc Antle doing like sleight of hand card tricks in front of a fireplace, just like in the house. Uh, but claiming that he has gained psychic powers from the constant practice of yoga and control of his life and magic abilities. It's very Shoko Asahara. It's the same idea of like, if you practice this, you can levitate. But he has no charisma. 
Like, it's so boring. My husband walked past the TV as I was reviewing a lot of these, and he was like, he looks like a character that should be played by David Cross. (laughs) (laughs) And that could not be more accurate. He has, like, like evil Tobias Funke energy. (laughs) It is... It is upsetting, but also a lot of what he's trying to quote unquote teach in these magic videos is just Swami Satchidananda's tenets. Like he's basically stolen all of it. And if you don't believe it, uh, there's actually a photo of Swami Satchidananda in the frame of the video directly above his head. Like they've framed it so that it's, you can't miss it. It's really kind of pathetically funny. Um, Now, everyone working on this kind of video magic project doesn't really see it going anywhere because he's trying to teach powers that he doesn't even have himself. He's like, I could levitate and then it would try to do it. And he's like, 98% of the time it works. Oh, my God. This David lame ass motherfucker. (laughs) Oh, man. Um And also, he's teaching them all the stuff that they could learn from, like, the OG guy down the street at Yogaville. But this is around the time when he meets his core crew. Uh, One of the first is a guy named Steven Diamond. I believe that's a stage name. I don't know for sure. Uh, But he was 15 or... hold on. (laughs) It might not be. It might not be. That's what's even crazier. That's fair. I think I've talked... He goes by Stephen Diamond. That's what I'll say. I think I've talked about it on this show before, but I went to high school with a kid whose real name was Cash Youngblood. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. That was a real life given name. What would be real, real funny is if he became a rapper and then changed his name. (laughs) Hey, yo, what's up? It's me, Lil Kevin. Yeah, what up? It's me, John Smith. <laughs> Formerly known as Cash Youngblood. Uh, so Bhagavan sees Stephen, and Stephen is a magician, and he's like 15 or 16 at the time, and sees him as a way to make money and brokers a 50-50 split from the performance if he then like adds his tigers and things to the performance. Now, if you remember from Tiger King, Joe Exotic does the same thing. This is where he learns it from, is Doc Antle doing it first. So he kind of, not tricks, but rather, I guess Stephen Diamond was kind of too young to know what was up um, and gets super excited about the Tigers and brokering this new business deal. So he's all in. Then they meet David Vandiver, who actually knew, he calls him Bhagavan, but it's still Kevin, basically, right out of high school. And David is a juggler. He met Kevin on the Renaissance Fair circuit. And he does all of the videos. Renaissance Fairs are going to be very important later on in episode three. I know. Um, it's just, I have a coworker, I, Lindsay. You know Lindsay. Yeah. Uh, Lindsay is constantly trying to convince all of us to go Dude, to, to Renaissance Fair. it's so Fair. fucking fun. It is so fun. I cannot tell you how fun it is. Like, there's good food, too. It's yeah. like... Good food, ladies in corsets with their titties akimbo, and jousting. Like, why would you not want to go to that? Oh, I'm down for it. It's just funny how, you know, it's just one of those things where she keeps trying to convince us to go. And I was like, look, you don't have to convince me. I'll eat mutton and get drunk outside. That's fine. I was going to do that anyway. Yeah. I'll go. If you guys, like, when you go, let me know. I will gladly accompany. Absolutely. Uh, So, uh, but David, lifelong juggler. 
uh, becomes the main videographer for lifelong juggler. You he's a lifelong juggler. Oh, he came out of his mom's pussy just fucking juggling, juggling the umbilical cord. Um, (laughs) Here's what's funny. You and I also know personally a lifelong juggler who's been on like TV and like juggles oh, whoppers fuck. and shit. Yeah, you're right. And chainsaws. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> like, this should not be weird to us. We know at least one of these people in our I, regular life. I just try to bleep it out of my mind. I don't want to remember that I know jugglers. I, I, it sticks forever in my mind because I got a call from the club one time when I was like on my way there for a show and they were like, Hey, crazy question. Can you pick up a Whopper? And I was like, what? What? Yeah, sure. They're like, we'll reimburse you. I was like, I don't care. It's like $3. And so I show up and I like give them the Whopper and he he like kind of like lifted it between two hands like, hmm, perfect. And I was like, okay. I I mean, they have food here. Like I'm a little confused. He's like, no, no, no. And then he like opens an umbrella and like gets the umbrella turning and then spins the Whopper on the umbrella. He's like, Perfect. And I was like, what? It, what? What am I a part of? How do you yeah. learn you have that skill? I know exactly. Here's the thing is like Paige and I, we're talking about a person that we know in real life, but I can imagine I'm Super listening. Nice dude. Oh, yeah, he's it's great. just a weird it's a great person. It's a great yeah. person, but it's like telling this story. <laughs> there is a chance that you're going to, that people listening are like, bullshit. No way. No, Google Michael Rayner on YouTube. Yeah. He's amazing. It's crazy. He's amazing. I remember he's just so like, good. I remember being at a comedy club and being like them being like, you're up next. And I go, okay. And I go wait in the wing. And then I look out on the stage and see a man juggling and like fucking or balancing hold- shoes on his face. And you're yeah. like, how'd you learn to do that, man? Yeah. What joke can I tell that's more impressive than that? Go fuck yourself. None. None. I can't beat it. Anyway. <laughs> so Doc Antle has one of these. <laughs> Vide- <laughs> doing all the videography. Um, well, that's the problem is all the videos sucked because the camera's constantly being juggled in the air. Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. Um, and then he kind of starts to gather other helpers along the way that meet him at Yogaville. Now, here's what's interesting. Later on, Doc Antle denies being a member of Yogaville, says that he just frequently visited and respected the founder, but like he did his own thing. There are so many videos of him at Yogaville. (laughs) Like it's so painfully obvious that that's not true. But anytime they bring it up in the documentary, he's like, oh no, that's cult stuff. Like I would, and I'm like, there's so much evidence. Like, even the biographies and stuff that we pulled for Swami Satchidananda mention yeah. him. Like, he was there. It's, like, this is it's nonsense. It's such a boomer mindset of this, like, pre-social media shit where it's like, well, who's going to know? They're never going to find it or anything. Yeah. <laughs> no, dude. Everything yeah. comes back. Everything. Uh, speaking of things coming back, it's around this time, back in Tucson, that Mark Topping, his previous like friend slash business partner notices that shit is heating up and law enforcement is out and about and he starts to worry about being safe in tucson in the drug trade so he decides to make a run for it he packs up the last of the weed gives it to his brother to sell and then he pieces the fuck out and rejoins 
Kevin in Virginia, where he becomes second in command at the brand new Buckingham Zoo, and he starts helping Kevin with his videos. He becomes one of his first animal trainers and is featured prominently in a lot of the magic show videos. So he goes through uh, and sets up a deal for Steve Diamond overseas. So Steve is no longer at Buckingham Zoo, but he's basically making money back. What he will find out is that Kevin, Doc Antle, made a deal with the company that was hosting their show in South Korea, where he ends up getting most of the profits from that show, while Steven does three shows a day, seven days a week. Jesus Christ. Brutal. Brutal. Meanwhile, back in Virginia, uh, according to the videographer, David Vandiver, the magic shit wasn't going too well, but the animal shit was going great and people wanted his animals. So they start training them for, for commercials and uh, events and things like that. Uh, specifically, they start training them to make appearances at Yogaville. But he had another reason to keep frequenting Yogaville because Yogaville had something that the zoo didn't have. Do you want to guess what it is? <sighs> is it pussy? It's 14-year-old girls. Yes. It's gross. God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Again, this is the part we warned you about. Now, this is the period of time we talked about in the last episode where internally at Yogaville, things begin to change. They're building the new ashram in Virginia. And at this time, uh, Swami Satchitananda had taken vows of celibacy, self-service, and poverty, but... He then claims that since he had gained enlightenment, those rules don't apply anymore. <laughs> wah, wah. Uh, and according to many of the people living at Yogaville, he had started to sexualize his relationship with many disciples. We talked about a lot of this last time. And using his power dynamic to influence multiple women. Now, some of the women influenced in the Netflix documentary uh, think that he was involved with a dozen or more women as opposed to the handful of women who actually came forward. There were only about three, um, but they think that it was over a dozen and that for many of those women, they started to believe that it made them more special within Yogaville and gave them a connection to God, um, which is what happens when you abuse a power dynamic like that. But not only was he sexually involved with them, there are also reports that occasionally he was physically abusive. And in some cases, the people that he was physically abusing, and I mean like hitting, uh, took it as an act of love. And that's how they were interpreting it when telling other people it was going on. It's not good. At this same time, Kevin Bhagavan and Swami Satchitananda are very, very close. There's many pictures of them together. And other members of Yogaville at the time mentioned that Bhagavan was held up in the community as like a great yogi and that he was a trusted member of the community. There were about 250 permanent residents at the time. And this is around the time when Sumati Steinberg's family joins the community. Her parents met Swami Satchitananda when she was five. And then she joined the community at 11 by choice. And she says that at the time it was a peaceful and loving community. Bhagavan was a regular fixture around and people kind of believed that not only was Swami Satchitananda a holy figure, but that Bhagavan was a very wise and important figure within the group as well. So in 1982, 
She saw him as good-looking and charming, but he was 22. He constantly drove a DeLorean or a Porsche and would frequent Lotus Lake, where he then hid on her and several other teenage girls at the time. Um, when he kind of zeroed in on her, he sent her flowers and poetry for six months before their relationship turned sexual on her 15th birthday. Uh, another woman, Sachi Oba, had a very similar story. According to her, Doc Antle is kind of a part of a greater issue in Yogaville at the time, where we kind of talked about this shift in the last episode, but there is a shift toward kind of blaming women for some of these interactions and not believing women when they came forward. And so he had a little more leeway in the group. And according to Sachi, he would bring Bubbles the Elephant, who was still a baby at the time, and do magic shows. And she would spend time at the zoo on the weekends where he had a jacuzzi and baby tigers. And she says that looking back as an adult, she really takes issue with a lot of the things that happened to her that she didn't understand fully at the time as a teenager. But according to her at 15, she was passed to one of Bhagavan's friends who worked on the zoo and was pressured into a relationship with this person who was 30 years old at the time. Uh, she says that she felt like she didn't have the tools to make those choices at 15. I would agree. This is definitely statutory rape. It's not okay. Um, but it was part of the culture around Doc Antle. One of the things that he would also do was have the girls do photo shoots with the animals. And again, these are underage girls and they are nude photo shoots. Uh, Sumati also backs this up. She said that she took part in a nude photo shoot with a boa constrictor. And then Doc Antle's wife, Betsy, found the photos and burned them. And she says that she's actually thankful that happened so that they couldn't have gotten out later. Um, but he specifically seems to prey on young women at this time, specifically virgins. And that's according to multiple people's accounts at the time. Uh, for example, Sumati loses her virginity to him at 15 on her birthday. It's the first time that he, I would, I would call it assault, assaults her. Uh, it's statutory rape at a minimum. And he has her participate in what he calls a spiritual wedding ceremony beforehand. Because, reminder, he's still very much legally married to someone else. Yeah. Like, full ass married to a different person. And he told Sumati that his wife was open and polyamorous and knew about the relationship and was fine with it. That was not true. Um, at least according to his wife, Betsy, that was not true. This was news to her. Yeah, also wouldn't make much of a difference in the... Yeah, she's still 15. So, yeah. like, poly or not, she is underage. So it doesn't really fucking matter. Um, he takes her on a honeymoon to the Virgin Islands and he brings his wife, Betsy. Oh, my God. And sends Betsy out snorkeling during the day and consummates his relationship with Sumati while Betsy is out. Oh, my God. It's real messed up. Um, around this same time, Sumati moves out of her parents' house and moves onto the Yogaville property in her own tent, essentially. So she is now a permanent resident on her own. And... That just gives Doc more access. Meanwhile, Betsy is getting older. They met in high school. This is now almost 10 years since. And 
she's realizing in her words that he was only interested in her when she looked like a teenager and she had been very, very thin, but all of that changed when she got pregnant and Doc was very upset about it and would occasionally beat her because of it. Oh my God. Sumati endured a lot of the same treatment. She says that there were four times in four years that she thought he was going to kill her. And the first few times it was because she wanted to leave and he would beat her and scare her into staying. But instead of just beating her and the same with Betsy, he would choke them till they passed out because it didn't leave as many marks. But for Sumati, he did at one point break two of her ribs and then would brag about it to her friends, saying that he broke two of her ribs to shut her up. And that was considered appropriate. <laughs> like, it's fucked up, basically. Yeah. It's not good. No, it's this is awful. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, it's going to get worse before it gets better. I'm so sorry. Meanwhile, Betsy goes into labor with their daughter. And he was mad about it and called basically where she was going into labor and said, is it fine if I just don't show up? And she was like, no, it's not fine. So he came and brought Sumati and then he laid down and took a nap on the bed next to her while she gave birth to their daughter. As soon as the baby was born, he left. But at this point, Sumati's kind of angry because he had told her that he and Betsy were no longer sleeping together, that they didn't have a sexual relationship anymore. Clearly, that's not the case if somebody's having your baby. And he had also told Sumati that he was doing spells to keep her from getting pregnant. But lo and behold, she was already pregnant. So he basically shows up while his wife is giving birth with his 14, or I'm sorry, at the time she's like 17, 18-year-old pregnant girlfriend who is already showing. Um... So it's a whole messed up scenario. Sumati realizes she's pregnant and she tells Doc Antle right before the opening of the Lotus Temple in 1986. Now, if you remember, we talked about the opening of the Lotus Temple in 1986 in the last episode. That's the one where he poured a bucket of water out of a helicopter to bless the building while yeah. Doc Antle there was was there with his two tigers from the Exxon commercial and the elephant. I did find out about the Exxon commercial. It was for their slogan at the time, put a tiger in your tank. What? And so, yes, there's actually commercials. What does that mean? You can mean? watch them. It means nothing. It's it's like their tobacco is toasted. Or no, their, their tobacco gives you cancer. Ours is toasted. Yeah. Like, it makes about as much sense as that. God damn it. But so there is a, a classic famous commercial of put a tiger in your tank, and they are Doc Antle's tigers. So if you want to go Google that, you can. Um. But she tells him that she's pregnant right before this happens. He first claims it's not his. And she's like, I'm a teenager that you never let out of your sight. Who else would it be? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? It's not yours. Then he tries to get her to have an abortion and she doesn't want to. So she goes to Swami Satchitananda and is just like, I don't want to have an abortion. That's kind of against what we believe largely. And I want to keep this baby. What's going, what are we doing? This is like your main guy that did this. So Swami Sachdananda says that if Bhagavan will marry her, he can stay. But if not, he will need to leave the group. And so they have a Yogaville group meeting in which, according to many of the people who were there, 
they largely blame the teenage girls for their behavior. Oh my god. Yeah, it's fucked up. Paige, can um, I ask you something? Sure. Do they have at this place, do they have electricity? Yes. They so they have the capabilities to use electricity. Yes. Then what's up with all this goddamn gaslighting, Paige? <laughs> yeah. Well, so here's what's really interesting because this is where the last episode and this de- episode kind of dovetail because uh, basically uh, Doc Antle is not super welcome at Yogaville from this point on. He's not officially banished, but he can't live there and he doesn't spend a, a lot of time there um, in part because there are people who were like, yo, you told this us this guy was a good guy and he's knocking up teenagers like what the fuck? Um, but this is where they institute the pledge that everyone has to sign that they like won't date and they won't watch certain movies. And it's the really restrictive rules within the compound. As we talked about in the last episode, that happens right around 1990, right around the time other, um, accusations of sexual assault come out. So this is all happening around the same time. And some of the impetus for it is Doc Antle's actions. So this pregnancy kind of kicks off a lot of this. Now, if you remember, the other girl that I brought up, uh, her name was Sachi. Sachi also tells her story at this time, and she's told that it was her fault and asked to sign a pledge that says she won't date or be in rooms with members of the other sex or anything like that. She takes this as them telling her it was her fault what happened to her and refuses to sign the pledge, which like fucking good for her. That's brave as shit. Yeah. And they excommunicate her. So the one person that gets officially excommunicated at this time is one of the underage girls who basically refuses to recant what happened to her. Yeah. It's fucked up. Yeah. It's super fucked up. Um, And she was a teenager. She didn't know anything else. That was like her whole world was Yogaville. Uh, and she gets excommunicated. It's fucked up. So by the time Sumati is about to deliver the baby she's been pregnant with, Doc Antle is already dating another 14-year-old. Oh, my fucking God. Her name is Rada Hirsch. Now, Rada has one of the most amazing stories to come out of this. And we're going to split part of it in this episode, part of it in the next episode. Um, but... I think one of the amazing things to come out of this story, as rough as some of this content is, is that, A, these women were finally able to tell their story in a format that reaches millions of people. But also, B, you hear such amazing stories from these women of strength to know that they are worth better and to demand better. And I love it. Um, You really kind of root for them, is what I would say. I don't know... I don't really know the right way to say this, but it's like mm. the ability for this, for, for Sachi, um, to know like, Hey, this isn't my fault. Like, you're not gonna, yeah. like, I know yeah. this is going to get me excommunicated or whatever. Like, but this is, you can't but just fuck fucking you. You guys me. are wrong. Yeah. 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 Like that, the, 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 the amount of fucking bravery that takes. Cause you're right. She the knows balls. nothing else. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. fucking insane. But also like, I don't know. I commend them. On their yes. bravery. I wish I'm... it hadn't have happened to them exactly. at all. That's the thing. But I also wholeheartedly commend them for something that is so incredibly hard to do. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's so, it's yeah. just so, I want to, this is like, 
my stupid, dumb Neanderthal brain where I'm getting so angry and my only thought is like, I want to punch Doc Antle. Like, it's, it's reverting me back. I feel like back. you could take him. Oh, I know I can take this motherfucker. Yeah. What do you, oh, I learned boxing <laughs> from my fucking lettuce dad in the 60s or whatever. Fuck hey, you. Hey, hey. Remember, he was also a devil's lettuce pilot. <laughs> Uh, I'm so glad they changed their name to the Stone Temple Pilots. It's so much better now. <laughs> yeah, I just like, that's how mad it's making me, where I'm just reverting to like my baseline thing of like, this bad punch now! Yep, yep. And this <sighs> is probably going to make you matter, but it'll be really, for as angry as this story makes me, the ending of a lot of this is very cathartic. So let's talk about Rada. So she meets Doc Antle when she's 11 or 12 years old. So she's very young. And she said she thought he was cute, which, hey, I have been an 11 or 12 year old who has thought older people was cute. And we've talked about this on the show before. That's going to happen. But you as an adult who knows better, you got to knock that shit off. Nip it in the bud. Like, make sure they know that relationship is not appropriate and shouldn't happen. That's your responsibility as an adult. Um, So she thought he was very cute. uh, And she would go spend time at his zoo on the weekends to play with the animals. Her parents moved around. So Rada, from the time that she was like a teenager, basically like 12 or 13, lived on her own at Yogaville for the most part. And she became Doc Antle and his wife, Betsy, who was still there at the time, although she's about to get a divorce. Um, she became their babysitter. This is some fucking Alois Hitler shit. And I hate it. Yes, I hate it absolutely. so much. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot like that relationship because she does end up being his girlfriend and they he has sex with her for the first time or statutorily rapes her for the first time when she is 14 and uh, he said, according to her, he said, if it's not okay with you, I can make you forget it with spells, which is fucked up and stupid. And she says that even then she thought that was strange, <laughs> where she was like, I don't think this is how that goes. I don't want to take away from how disgusting this is, because it's yeah. absolutely just horrendously it's upsetting. Yeah. But if I could have a spell that would make me forget some of the awful sex I've had in my life, I, in a heartbeat, Paige, I want a, a eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, a couple of people from this brain, all right? I I feel, yeah. I mean, I feel very lucky that I, I feel like I don't need to erase much, but I feel like that'd be useful for a lot of people. Yeah. Honestly, I'd fuck up and I'd use it way too often. Like, I'd watch Inglorious Bastards, zap it out of my brain, and then watch it again, just so I could enjoy it. <laughs> I, I just remember one time I got booked for a gig. I showed up a little early, and there was an open mic happening beforehand. The guy hosting the open mic came up to me, and he was just like you look familiar. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm here for the next show. He's like, no, 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 that's not it. And I was like, okay. And he's like, did we fuck? And I'm like, no. And he's like, are you sure? And I was like, yes. And then he looked and he was like, oh, your name's on the poster. And then walked away. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, so the first option then, the first thing that you said was- The uh, first thing that I said was, was accurate. But he was just like, nah, we had sex, right? No, we did not. Well, 
I'm oh, so, poster. I'm, I'm so upset. I'm upset at this. <laughs> I'm also upset. Like, do you know how bad of a person you have to be where I can accurately compare you to Hitler's dad? And it's not a I stretch. Know. It's I not know. an exaggeration either. Where it's you're not... like, these exact same things happened yeah, in it's, Hitler's it's, dad's <laughs> life. It's literally, it's not an insult argument where I'm like, you're worse than, you're just like Hitler's dad. No, it's like, you are literally doing some of Lois Hitler style shit. Go fuck yourself, Doc Antle. Yup. Yeah. Uh, anyway, she knew that he was also still sleeping with Sumati, uh, and they end up having menage a trois, and I hate calling it a menage a trois, it's statutory rape cubed, like, just <laughs> times three, like, I don't know what you want to call it, it's just all bad. Um, <laughs> I hate, I, okay, <laughs> we've got... <laughs> We've talked about it before. We make jokes to take away from how how upsetting these things are. Right. And I know that's what you're doing. But yep. statutory rape cubed is probably the funniest way. <laughs> I, could... I was trying to, like, triple loaded. Like, yeah. I don't know oh, what you want to call it. <laughs> triple loaded. Statutory it... rape, the three-peat, <sighs> where you're having statutory rape with two different people at once. Like, I... No, this is smart, Paige. That's double jeopardy. They can't try you twice for the same crime. Oh, fucking fuck. Anyway. So, Rada's mom finds out because Betsy, Doc's first wife, catches her and Doc making out and is like, um, hey, your 14-year-old daughter is making out with my husband. And so Rada's mom flies her across the country and puts her in a Catholic school across the street from her house to try and keep her as far away from Doc Antle as possible, Um, which I would say, good move, mom. (laughs) Good job. But she catches her on the phone with Doc Antle at the house since they've moved. And she gets concerned that she's going to run away. So she takes her to the police who take a picture of her and they try to do like a scared straight kind of thing to try and keep her from contacting Doc Antle. But it is no use because she is a teenager who is incapable of distinguishing between quote, like quote love and abuse in this case where he has love bombed her much like a cult. Uh, and this is essentially her mom trying to deprogram her like a cult and i want to i want to say she's trying her best but she did she did go i'm gonna take you away from this horrifically abusive relationship and put you somewhere where there is no chance for any type of sexual assault or any kind of controversy to happen to you in the future the The catholic church oh no the catholic church i know yeah yeah i mean (laughs) I believe it was an all school girl school, if I remember correctly. Sure. Um, but I mean, I think this is just her. Like, how do I get distance from the guy that I know for sure? Like, can for sure identify as trying to get it into my fourteen-year-old daughter. Ugh. Um, Ugh. rough, not good. And much like we've heard in a lot of the deprogramming stories in our previous deprogramming episodes, it was about a week later when Rada left to go to school, and. Before she could even make it, he pulled up along the sidewalk. She jumped into his car and they drove away. And that's where we'll pick up next week. You son of a bitch, Paige. You son of a bitch. I'm so into the story. God damn it. 
I know, I know. Uh, but if I included the whole rest of her story, this would be like a two and a half hour long episode, and then we'd have like a second hour long episode. No, I get it. So I get yeah, it. yeah, yeah. You're doing you're doing the right thing, which is something that you could never say about Doc Antle at any point in his life. So yeah, pretty much. Oh my god, I'm you know you know what's fucked, and maybe this makes me a bad person, mm-hmm. but you've described a litany of awful terrible shit and somehow the thing i'm still the most angry at is put a tiger in your tank what the fuck (laughs) does that mean i don't know i don't i don't uh... know and and literally it looks like you know uh the little like uh nozzle that you use to put gas in your Mm -hmm, car mm -hmm. it's like a video of somebody putting that into a car and then a tiger goes over and it's like like tiger growling and then it's like put a tiger in your tank exxon and you're just like what is this from the what what time is this the 80s 80s uh late 70s early 80s let me okay. see if i can actually pull it up we can watch it <laughs> i've actually this makes a lot more sense now that i realize the timing because i could tell you i can here let me give you an accurate portrayal of the writing process for this commercial oh yeah we're gonna yeah. put a tiger in it and we're gonna say put a tiger in your tank and we're gonna have it mm. well and so the put a tiger in your tank uh slogan had been around since like the late 50s early 60s but it's this specific commercial we'll try to find a a link to that video and then post it on our social media because yeah it's in the documentary if you watch it but also you can find it on its own oh my god Paige, thank you for doing this um i know how difficult this kind of shit is to do and i appreciate you a lot for doing it (laughs) oh my god um hey if you want to help support our show and you know directly support Paige and all of the bullshit that she had to go through to make this episode happen v7 research um then i'd say put a goddamn tiger in your podcast player and by that i mean go to patreon.com slash cult podcast yay uh yeah check out all the tiers and rewards we have there that directly helps us uh make the show and create it also if you're looking for a place to listen to the show can we suggest a tiger tooth tiger tooth I'm actually talking about Rooster Teeth, but I'm going to call them and see if... I'm going to call Mr. Tooth and see if we can get a name change going on. Hello, Mr. Tooth? (laughs) You can go to roosterteeth.com. You can also download the app on your Amazon Fire Stick, your Roku television, all your fun devices, including your mobile device. Uh, check out all the wonderful uh, content that they have there. There's a bunch of really fun shit um, from shows like Last Laugh Season 2, Camp Betrayal, uh, to podcasts like Red Web, Black Box Down, uh, and us. We're on there, most important Yay. of all. Um, so yeah, go over there, check it out, watch the fun content. Also, if you're a fan of, uh, well, obviously, if you're a fan of Paige and myself, I think it's going to be this week, but it might be next week. Paige came through to the Funhouse office and what filmed up? a video with us. and uh, We it's played a-, a cult game, or rather we made Jacob play a cult <laughs> game, and then we talked amongst ourselves. <laughs> hey, that's most of what we do all the time. So <laughs> I, I, I noticed in the video they left one of the cuts in where you were like, I'm, I like how only like one person is paying attention to the game, and the rest of us have just been talking, and it's like, yeah, that's, that's the job, Paige. <laughs> It is pure, pure and simple, just goofing off in the background while somebody plays a game. Um, mm-hmm. 
yeah, it's a really fun video and it's coming out soon. So go check that out. You'll be able to see it on Rooster Teeth first and then uh, it'll come out on YouTube one day later. So go check that Yay. out. Yeah. And hey, if you're looking to follow me and support me, you can. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, etc. At uh, Mondo Does Stuff. That's M A N D O Does Stuff. Uh, I also Twitch stream stuff, video games, making music, etc. Um, and you can find that at twitch.tv slash Mondo Does Stuff. Uh, and also follow me on social media because this week on Friday, I've got a big announcement coming up. <laughs> um, and you're not going to want to miss it. So go ahead and follow me on social media and stay tuned for that because it's going to get wild. Freaky. Yeah. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's your girl Paige. I'm I'm here every week. Uh February 18th, I will be in Santa Cruz, California doing comedy. Then March 4th, I will be in San Diego at Duckfoot Brewery doing comedy. And then uh, March 12th through 14th, I will be in Austin, Texas for undisclosed reasons. Uh, Ooh, more to come reasons. later. They're good, good reasons. reasons. Uh, more info to come later on. You can follow me on all my social media if you want to keep track of those dates or attend any of them. Always happy to see all of y'all. Uh, mm-hmm. You can follow me on Twitter at Paige Wesley or on Instagram and TikTok at Rampage Wesley. Uh, love you all. Mina, bye. I hate to sound like an asshole, and I do it all the time. But I think it's so funny that you and I both know the things that we're talking about. Like I, you know what my announcement is. I know what yeah. your undisclosed reasons are. Yeah, and they're super <laughs> exciting. And it's like, oh, dude, I'm so fucking hyped. You can't say anything. You can't talk about, about it yet. Yeah, it's uh, ugh. what a what a what a time to be alive. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I mean, go go follow Paige on all that stuff. You're really going to want to stay tuned for that announcement from her when it comes out. Also, if you enjoy Paige, uh, check out Horror Virgin and Romancing yes. the Pod and Blackheart yes. Rehab. Hooray. Three other fantastic shows that I don't know how Paige has the time to do it. I run, I guess, technically two podcasts, and I constantly want to die. So congrats, I Paige. don't sleep enough. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I do not. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. Directly after this, I'm hungover like a son of a bitch, Paige. I am. um, (laughs) Well, I also don't drink anymore. So like that, I feel like the time that you spend hungover became my podcast time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is I don't drink very often, but when I do. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, so uh, I'm, you know, I'm immediately after this going to go upload the footage or the the, the files and then fall asleep. <laughs> Same. Um, so, yeah, thank you, everybody, for uh, for tuning in. You guys are fantastic. If you want to follow us on Instagram, you can at Colt Podcast. Or on Twitter at Colt Podcast Show. You can also send us an email to ColtPodcastShow at gmail.com. Or if you want to send us... Um, exotic animals don't <gasps> don't do that if you want to send us exotic beanie babies yes if you have beanie babies that you thought were going to be an investment and now have completely lost their value that you just want to send to us for fun Absolutely. you can send those to 3756 west avenue 40 sweet k number 237 like the shining like the shining los angeles california 90065 page are you talking about beanie babies like this one oh <gasps> 
<gasps> Cute. I I was gonna unpack mine the other day because I watched that Vice documentary on the '90s and the, uh-huh. how Beanie Babies and the stock market are related. Uh, and I realized they showed some of the ones that I have, and I want to find my little bat. Beanie Babies like this one. Favorite one. Yeah. I mostly just have my cats and my bears now. My cats, my bears, and Batty the Bat. Beanie Babies like this one. Cute. Beanie Babies like this one. Bitch, I have I have fifty Beanie Babies. Jeez, incredible! I probably saved like twenty, but I had like over a hundred at one point, and then we donated all of mine and my sisters to like an orphanage, I think, Uh, overseas. I don't know. My mom was like, "I sent them away," and I was like, "Good," because. I was not going to take care of that. I sent them <laughs> to you. a Beanie Baby farm upstate where they have all upstate the Upstate where they can run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have 50 Beanie Babies and they're not... Oh, wait. Beanie Babies like this one. <laughs> oh, cute. I have to go pick all those up. I have 50 Beanie <laughs> Babies uh, and they're for a project that we'll announce whenever in the future. But... Uh, oh, God. I think I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. All right. Oh, gross. Oh, Nasty. Yeah, I think for this one, I'm going to say don't drink the throw up that I just put out a little bit. Yeah, don't drink Mountain Dew extra, extra hard um, <laughs> or whatever it is that you drank it's, last night. It's, it's so, so you hard. You slice it's it like solid. cranberry sauce at Thanksgiving. <laughs> uh, and don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye.